Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. Jim, welcome back <laughs> from your uh, Caribbean sojourn down there. Uh, well, yep. Good to see you. It's good to see you. Tanned, rested, and ready. That's right. This actually would mark the first time we've done a live podcast in over a year, sitting across from each sitting other. Sitting across the table from each other. Masked up, of course, Six feet across and masked up, That's yes. Right. Uh, but uh, it's good to be together in one room with uh, Paul Lopez and our producer Reagan. So, thank you guys. Good to see you both. Uh, yeah, uh, it's good. To, it's 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 actually good to be back. It's, it's it's that awkward to be actually in a room with a lot of people other than my kids and my wife. So it's uh, it's it's good. I think DC is still looks like the zombie apocalypse for those of you who know the town and and uh, and have spent time with us here during spring board. Uh, streets are. Uh, are, are still largely deserted and, uh, and and not many restaurants are open. But it's it's just good to be back and, 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 and starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel about getting back to normalcy, I guess we'll call it. Yeah, I, uh, speaking of that, while you were in the Caribbean, I was busy working, uh, checking out sites for our upcoming IBS. So I went yeah. to Orlando nice, uh, and checked out Orlando. I stayed on a Disney property with my family and uh, Disney is operating at about 35% capacity. Uh, but everybody I talked to, and I made a point to talk to the hotel managers, the restaurant managers, they believe that Orlando will be back up and running full capacity by October. Nice. So that's good news for us, good news for the uh, the, the forthcoming IBS. Uh, we're looking forward to getting together with our members yep. before that, but it seems like Certainly, we will all be together again uh, in Orlando uh, come February, and that's that's good for us, good yeah. for NEHP, and and good for the members' businesses. So yeah. that that's good. Speaking of what's good and bad for our members' businesses, Jim, Congress is back in session, <laughs> and uh, I'm reminded of the Shakespeare line that no man's property is safe when the legislature is in session. Uh, do our members have anything to fear? Yeah, I, I think I think. I think we do have a lot to fear. A lot of it's over the horizon right now, as, as we saw over the last couple of weeks. President Biden has put forth his infrastructure plan. Uh, again, we support infrastructure in the in, in the broadest sense of the word. It's important for us to open up new areas to develop, to, to redevelop old areas, but to make sure that our customers can get back and forth uh, to their places of work, their schools, their their uh, their their ball fields, as I've said. Uh, but with with the, that comes a whole package of other things that are that are buried in there as well. Some things that we wouldn't consider traditional infrastructure. And while, yes, I can agree that uh, that that maybe it's not always roads and bridges and airplanes or runways, um, we do see a pretty expansive role for the federal government in this infrastructure plan. And uh, the, the President Biden has talked about human infrastructure. And that's the next bill that we're going to see coming out of the administration in the next few weeks. And there, I think not only will we see um, you know, tax hikes, uh, whether it's on, on wealthy individuals, uh, I also think that we're going to see the potential erosion of some of the tax breaks that our members enjoy, whether it's uh, 1031 like-kind exchanges, uh, carried interests, uh, capital gains. I think there's a lot of areas that I know I'm worried about uh, and, and, and our staff is worried about that's going to have an impact on the industry. Especially one, it, it continues to accelerate into the recovery. Um, there's some there's some clouds on the horizon. I'll say. Well, I, I agree with you, and uh, I, I can tell you 
from what I've read and heard about the infrastructure package and what I've read about this uh, proposed human infrastructure proposal, this is going to be the biggest shift of wealth uh, in American history. If this package went through the way it's planned, and right. we both know that there are miles to go before right. we sleep. Now I'm quoting Robert Frost. I'm very poetic. I'm waxing poetic. Uh, we both know there's a long ways to go in this, but I do think that you've uh, uh, you, you've got the potential for a huge shift of wealth, and that's something that uh, we're going to have to watch very, very carefully because. A lot of our, the wealth in this country resides in the pockets of small business people, the people who make up our members. Yeah, that's right. The individual tax code where I, I you know, we saw the, the first infrastructure package is being paid for by corporate taxes. Uh, but this next package is going to be paid for on the backs of individuals and our members as sole proprietors and and, and, and LLCs. They're going to bear the brunt of that on the individual tax side. So it, it's there's there's going to be big fights ahead of us. Uh, we went we went through tax reform together three years ago. Now uh, we're going to go back through it again in a lot of ways. Uh, and they're not going to call it tax reform, but it really is going to be tax reform. I think you're absolutely right about this big shift in wealth. Well, the other thing that, that I find intriguing is uh, last week and the week before when this infrastructure package came out, I've done a lot of press calls uh, with people. And by the way, kudos to our press staff uh, for getting us the kind of uh, attention uh, with not only the political media and uh, the D.C. media, but We've been doing calls with uh, local and large media outlets all around the country. They, they're doing a hell of a job. But some of these people, these Washington insiders in the press, know less about the uh, the, the details of, of these proposals yeah. than we do. I'm wondering if they're all fleshed out yet. And specifically yeah. what I'm talking about are the housing proposals. People call, people who are veteran D.C. reporters with strong ties to the administration calling me and asking me what we know about the housing proposal. And I'm like, we haven't heard any details. I yeah. thought you would know something. Right. Nobody knows. Yeah. I, I don't think they're out there. No, it's 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 all top line, uh, top line issues. There, there's no real flesh on it. They, they kind of know what it's going to cost. Congress is really going to get their hooks into this thing. I know it, it, it. A lot of this so far reminds you of the president's budget. It comes out every year. It's the blueprint of what the president really wants to do. But the reality is, it always is dead on arrival when it gets to Capitol Hill. President Biden's budget came out a couple of weeks ago. Same thing, you know, extra money for HUD. But but at the end of the day, we really are going to have to get knee deep into these into the issues about housing. Again, is housing infrastructure? Is is housing a beneficiary of infrastructure? There's a lot of these questions that are out there. And and again, billions, if not trillions of dollars for non-traditional infrastructure plans. This is the largest expansion of the federal government we've seen. And, and I think President Biden would even acknowledge it since LBJ and, and, and say that this is this is what they want to do. They think they have a mandate. Uh, and, and I think that there's a real, real potential here to see uh, some 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 things for housing. But I'm not so sure it's all going to be housing and it's all going to be good. Well, the housing thing, the federal government says that they want to produce over a billion dollars worth of, aff of affordable mm -hmm. housing. Since when does the federal government produce housing? And, and, and produce it well? 
Never. I, I, so I don't know what they're talking about. No. We're still trying right. to get right. to the bottom of it. Yeah. Uh, but like we said, uh, there's a long way to go. And the only thing I can add to that is hopefully, unlike her position on the health care bill under President Obama, hopefully Speaker Pelosi will read this before she passes. <laughs> right. Right. And, and worry about the details before right. it becomes right. law. Yeah. And, and hopefully there's, there, there's there's efforts to actually work across the aisle on this. If they're going to jam it through with with 50 votes in the Senate plus one with 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 Vice President Harris, uh, or they're going to jam it through with with five extra votes in the House of Representatives, but no Republicans voting for this thing. Uh, you know, it's it, it it's not a recipe for a balanced bill. And and as you and I know, legislation that passes with bipartisan uh, votes is always more enduring than than what we're that we see if just partisan. Well, and you know, it's funny. There was an article, I believe it was Friday, in the Washington Post that had a picture of Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, and the art the the picture was captioned uh, Manchin's quest for bipartisanship could spell trouble for the president's infrastructure plan. Yeah. Where, where do we, where do we live? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. That's just it, absolutely no, nuts. It's crazy. Yeah, J- Joe Manchin continues to be the, probably the most important person in Washington D.C. right now, um, and he's going to get crushed from the left on this uh, because he's he's too far right. He wants he want, he he actually wants to find common ground, and yet he's going to be excoriated by the left, whether it's on the filibuster, whether it's pr- Biden's plans, uh, whether it, you 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 name it. Uh, it's it's going to be a good luck calling in, into that office if you need to find him. Well, and I and I have to ask you another question here. I read an article today that says, and I think we'll all be able to sleep a little better because of this, that <laughs> AOC and the squad now want to come to the table and be part of the negotiations. I saw that too. I think I can almost hear heavenly music yeah, in the that, background. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, AOC and the squad, assumedly, we will bring them into the negotiations right. uh, in, in, the, in the Democratic caucus. Right. Would they be invited into a bipartisan group of negotiations? I can't see that being done unless it's a poison pill just to kill them. Only, only if they're willing to compromise on their on their ultra progressive issues, right? That's the thing. You, you, by 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 coming into a bipartisan meeting, one would think that they'd be willing to move to the center. I haven't seen anything in the last three or four years that indicates to me that the squad wants to move anything but lefter than they already are. I they would have to give up something. I think. I think it sounds great, uh, uh, but but I would think that th- their issues uh, are probably the first ones that get the co- get to the yeah. chopping block on it. But All right, let me shift gears with yeah. you a little bit. Um, we got some intro. We've been getting tons. I mentioned the press we're getting. We're getting tons of press mm-hmm. all over the country, and now well up into Canada on the lumber issue. Uh, in fact, the Canadian press last week uh, made a statement out of one of the Vancouver newspapers, I think it was, that said if Biden doesn't do something about lumber, his whole infrastructure plan is in jeopardy. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of message we're trying yeah. to get out there. I'm glad of that. Yeah. But what are you hearing? What's going on? Yeah. Our members are going nuts right yeah. now. Yeah. And, 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 and we hear from from all the time, whether it's text uh, personally, whether it's social media we're reading or just our, our state meetings and just talking to members. Obviously, lumber is the number one issue. It's 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 killing our customers. It's killing our members. Um, I, I am I remain optimistic that we will get a meeting with Secretary Raimondo. 
Uh, I, we've had good conversations with with the Department of, of Commerce. Uh, we are we continue to, to look into issues, uh, trying to find every nook and cranny we can to, to to pull a lever of power, whether it's the National Economic Council, the Domestic Policy Council, anything uh, in order to in order to get this this issue resolved. Um, Canada would be great. I agree with you. I, in, you've been through the lumber wars for decades now. It seems like in the grand scheme of trade, the Canadian Software Lumber Agreement seems like low-hanging fruit. It's not for everybody who's involved, of course, but it seems like one where they could they could come together pretty quickly. If if the old the old Rahm Emanuel, let's not let a crisis get wasted, uh, to paraphrase, uh, this is a real opportunity, I think, and for the Biden administration to do something for the national economy uh, to get back to the table with the Canadians. Well, we're going to have to uh, move on this as quickly as we can. I know that uh, our legal team has been talking with uh, some of the uh, state attorneys general, right. uh, and there is uh, there are some investigations that are being discussed. Uh, a lot of our members have been very aggressive, saying that we need to file antitrust claims. Uh, and because I have been through these lumber wars for a long time, I can tell you that you have to be pretty careful before you go to the Department of Justice and claim antitrust. If you make a claim that is false claim about antitrust, don't have the proper evidence, don't have the proper standing, you've got a real problem on your hands. And I know that Jim Rizzo and our legal team, along with outside counsel, is looking very closely at this. Yeah. But it's not something that it's not like in today's litigious society uh, where you sue somebody at the drop of a hat. Right. Um, this is one you've got to be careful about. If you do it, you want to win. Right. Uh, and uh, and NHB is pursuing it uh, as well as we can. And that's all we're going to talk about on that subject yeah. publicly until we know what's going on. That's right. That's right. And in the meantime, I know our, our members have reacted to it. We've got a grassroots campaign that's going on out there. Twenty over twenty four hundred emails have been sent to Congress. Every almost every office has been touched. If you haven't sent an email to Congress, if you haven't picked up the phone and talked to your senator or representative, you need to do that. Uh, Capitol Hill is very tuned to this issue, but we need to keep the grassroots pressure on them. It's going to be a major issue for legislative conference coming up that first week of May. Of course, we're doing a virtual bringing housing home this year. Uh, and so th that this is the number one issue we're, we're, we are facing amongst many others. Jerry and I touched on infrastructure and potential tax increases is, is one of the issues as well. But lumber, 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 th there's, there's only one way that we're going to get through this, and that is to keep hammering the administration uh, and keep hammering Congress on this issue. And one other point that I want to raise on a policy front that, that I find uh, more and more disturbing as the administration uh, gets settled in is the subject of resiliency, energy efficiency, yeah. uh, green building. Um, uh, our members are going to face a tremendous amount of pressure. In fact, one of the few things it does say in the infrastructure bill is that they want the housing that's going to be built to be resilient right. and energy efficient. Uh, Again, with no definition of what right. that means, right. with no discussion about what it costs, it's just that climate change is the banner under which the entire Biden That's administration right. appears to be marching. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and we're starting to see, you know, the infrastructure bill is loaded with, with clean energy uh, issue whether it's whether it's tax proposals that we we actually support uh, you know the new homes or, or, or existing home energy efficiency tax we support those uh, we support updating them um, but there is like you said the word resiliency if anybody can define it for me 
I, I'd be I'd be thrilled if I mean I, in, in any kind of policymakers in Washington D.C. could do that. But you're absolutely right. You know what's resilient? What's what what's the latest published codes? Right? We've been through these wars for the last several years on the Hill. Uh, but I do think that you, know, you said climate change is absolutely the banner on which every everything uh, is is flowing under uh, on Capitol Hill uh, and in the administration. And we've got to be really careful. We've got to make sure that we are um, we are bringing some sanity and housing affordability to this because people don't care about housing affordability. They think housing affordability is saving a couple bucks on your monthly energy bill. That's what housing affordability means to them. That's not, you know, good luck trying to tell that first time home buyer that they're gonna have to pay 10 or $15,000 for the cost of a house. Never mind the $24,000 you're already paying for lumber to that house too. You're exactly right. And unfortunately, uh, whereas we had made a great deal of headway uh, in the past three or four years discussing bipartisan headway, by the way, yep. not not par- on a partisan level, it, ingraining in people's minds the notion that housing affordability is a, an issue across the whole specter of the housing market. This administration is veering so far left that there is no conversation of housing affordability anymore. Right. It's affordable housing with the old school Washington definition of subsidized housing. And that is a losing battle for our uh, members and our our organization. And we've got to work together again uh, to get back to the point where these people acknowledge that the ability of the average American to afford to pay his mortgage is just as important as a low income person being able to pay their rent. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, next week we have uh, vaccination week, right? We're, we're encouraging everybody uh, in, in the industry, not only your, your, you uh, and your loved ones, but, but your employees get vaccinated. Uh, it is the number one thing that I think we can continue to do uh, to keep the industry moving forward, the economy moving forward, is to get vaccinated. As far as I can tell, almost every state is now, if not already wide open to everybody, but pretty close to it. Uh, but it's really important for us as an industry to, to, to make sure that we're pushing for vaccinations. I agree. I'm vaccinated. My wife is vaccinated and at least one of my children is. So nice. Nice. Uh, we're moving forward. Yep. Yep. So anyway, that wraps it up for this week, Jim. It's good to be with you again, with live you. and in person. Yep. You're a very handsome, good looking man you. from what Thank I can you. see through that mask is a Rorschach test. Yeah. Of sorts. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. As always, please subscribe to the podcast. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. Bye-bye. Take care.